You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producers are Patrick Antonetti and Sean Cherry. Today's guest is one of my favorites, Paul Heyman. You are a wrestling fan. I don't need to introduce him, but I will for those uh, who are usually here for the sports media conversations, in case you don't know him. He's one of the most iconic figures in sports entertainment, uh, one, of the, uh, one of the unique figures in professional wrestling. He is currently the special counsel for Universal Champion Roman Reigns, an amazing performer. And Paul and Roman Reigns will be featured in a triple threat match for the Universal Championship with Edge and Daniel Bryan. That will take place at WrestleMania 37, which is a two-night event this year at Raymond James Stadium, April 10th and 11th. Uh, Will be interesting to see because there are going to be fans this year for WrestleMania. So very, very different for the performers. Paul Heyman, of course, is also the co-host of Talking Smack which airs on Peacock, and he's beyond, he has been on this podcast multiple times. He was also with me when I hosted the Sports Illustrated Media podcast uh, a couple of times, going all the way back to the earliest of early shows back in October of 2005. So he's been a supporter of this podcast for a long time, and I, uh, I can't thank him enough. We had a 70-minute conversation. It was great. Um, I, I, just, I think even if you're not a wrestling fan, you're going to find this interesting. He really takes you behind the scenes on uh, the relationship between media and professional wrestling, sort of character development. Um, If one sort of can be built into a star or if you're sort of innately born with it when it comes to this stuff, he even got into his own contract situation, which is almost incredible for Paul. I'm not sure he's ever uh, talked about that. So 70 Minutes with Paul Heyman. You're absolutely going to enjoy this coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, as I said at the top, Paul Heyman is one of the most iconic figures in sports entertainment. He's currently the special counsel for Universal Champion Roman Reigns, and he and Roman Reigns will be featured in a triple threat match for the Universal Championship with Edge and Daniel Bryan. Why? Well, that's WrestleMania 37, a two-night event set for Raymond James Stadium on April 10th and 11th. Should be really, really interesting given the amount of fans that are expected to be there. Paul Heyman is also the co-host of Talking Smack, which airs on Peacock. Uh, and lastly, before I bring Paul in, Paul Heyman, by the way, has been on, he's been on this podcast before. But before that, when I was at Sports Illustrated, way back on October 9th, 2005, maybe like the 20th or 21st episode, not only did Paul Heyman do that podcast, which was probably being heard by three people at the time, but he came in to Sports Illustrated and taped that podcast in a swimsuit closet. We had no podcast studios. We were using the SI swimsuit closet to do this stuff. So the guy was a total stand-up guy then, and six years later, he returns to the sports media podcast. Paul, how are you? I'm, 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 I'm missing our swimsuit closet. <laughs> yeah, it's a much better view, uh, for sure. All right, Paul, there's so much to get to, because I you are always one of my uh, most interesting guests. So let's start here. How is doing press in 2021 for you and you know we're in wrestlemania season so let's say how is doing press for wrestlemania 37 different 
let's say, than if you were going to do press in the early 2000s? What's the same? What's changed? Well, there's a lack of intimacy because it's, it's, it's all either on phone calls or on Zoom or, you know, some other method of communication. They're, 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 it, I, I don't get to see the other person up close, to look into their eyes, to to feel their aura and to interact. I, I find interviews are best when it's a one-on-one or, or one with other people in the room conversation and it's intimate. It, you, you get to feel the other person, you get to smell the other person. You, you, um, you, you, you're, you're in there together creating what is ultimately content. This content just happens to be the, uh, <laughs> quote unquote interrogation <laughs> of, of the subject, which is Paul Heyman. Um, and, and you don't get you don't get that anymore now. Now it's it's all uh, with 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 separation. Is there a change though in that in 2021? And I'll probably do this on this podcast. You know, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about process. I'll be talking about. I'll be asking you. You'll, you'll answer or you won't. Some questions about like behind the scenes stuff, where I feel like you know when you started in the business or even you know 10 or 15 years into the business, I feel like so much of the interview would have been about storyline and about, uh, and almost an expectation that people stay in character. Well, it's a lot easier to stay in character when you have this degree of separation because I, I could be doing a multitude of things while I speak to you right now. I, 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 I could be walking the, my, my dog. I, I could be checking text messages. Uh, I, I, I could be giving hand signals to, to my kids to take out the garbage. Um, I, I could be making, you know, the grocery list. But when we're in person, then I'm, I'm, I'm committed. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Uh, if, if, if you don't own my attention, it becomes obvious and the interviewer can call you out on it. So in that same light, it's so much easier to just do an in-character interview when you have the separation because the interviewer has no idea what I'm doing right now nor what I'm wearing or anything else. So I, I, I could just hide behind the facade of a persona or a character. Well, when I'm in person, if I were to be in character and answer questions in character, you could see any cracks. You could, you could see, okay, you know, he's putting on a role here. Are you wearing a suit for this interview? Of course I am. I always, I hate it. This is a very funny story. And I don't know exactly what had happened. It may have happened before, we did, we did the interview in the broom closet. Um, it's, uh, I, um, the, the community that I live in is rather small <clears throat> and every now and then I would, I would run down to, to, to the local convenience store at around four or five in the morning and, and just pick up fresh fruit and vegetables or, or eggs or whatever for breakfast for, for me and the kids. And, um, 
anybody that hung out with me at, at the China Club back years ago will, will tell you I, I, I don't walk around, or at least I didn't in, 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 in my prior life, um, in, in, in custom suits and ties and pocket squares. That, that, that's, that's pretty much just the last decade. So I'm, I'm walking around in Zubas or pajama pants or sweatpants uh, and, 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 and some ratty T-shirt with food stains on it and, uh, and, 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 and a baseball cap and, 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 and sneakers or, uh, you know, and, and um, with no socks on or flip-flops. And I'd run down to the convenience store because I'm in my hometown and there's not a lot of traffic going on here at, at, at four or five in the morning. And inevitably when I would come out of the convenience store, some delivery truck that that's just cutting through town will pull over, stop and go, Hey, it's Paul Heyman. Can I get a selfie? And I started to see on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, these pictures pop up of me. I'm not shaved. I'm, I'm wearing I'm wearing clothes that make me look like a bum, and and I said, oh my god, I can't be seen like this. So it started to be that at four or five o'clock in the morning, when I am running down to the convenience store, even I am I am putting on a, a clean press suit. I may not wear the tie, but I'm 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 still wearing the clean press suit, and I don't dare wear sneakers with it because God forbid the selfie that the, that the person takes includes includes my shoes in the sidewalk, and it's like oh my God, he looks like David Letterman from back in 1980. So now, 24 um, seven, I'm I'm. It's it's funny. We, we also just uh, we we shot some new episodes of the Heyman hustle video series. And, uh, that was part of the discussion is, is when do I not wear these suits now? And then the, and the ties and the pocket squares. And we shot all these different openings where I say, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman and I'm wearing the suits in the shower, in a tanning bed, and in the most unlikely of places, I'm wearing the suit and the tie in the pocket square, uh, because that's now the image. So yes, I am wearing the suit and the tie in the pockets where just in case somehow you hack into my phone and this becomes a, a video conversation as well as audio. Nice. I like the consistency. Um, how much should the media and, I, I, you know, let me be sp- sort of specific because it's not like Washington Post political writers are covering the WWE. How much should those who cover wrestling know about the private lives of Roman Reigns or Becky Lynch or Charlotte Flair. You, you, I know you, you, uh, you know, you're well-read, Paul, and you read the sports section, you read the front page. You know that people's lives uh, beyond their uh, occupation are covered. From your perspective, how much should we know about these performers beyond the performance? Well, it, it, th- that's going to be a question that is never going to have the perfect answer because that's the tug of war between celebrity dumb and the media. Um, and it's something that even the most powerful people in the world have to struggle, struggle with. Um, I mean, you know, take a look at, at, at the lengths that the Obamas went to in keeping 
their daughters' lives as private as they could. Uh, look at the struggles that the current president, Joe Biden, is having um, with, 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 with the struggles that his son, who's, who's, who's 50, uh, has had in his life. Um, and and, and there's, there's no such thing as fairness to it, and I don't know if fairness would even apply to it. The moment you make the conscious decision to pursue your livelihood in the public eye, you give up a great deal of your privacy. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a single parent and have raised my daughter, who will turn 19 this year, and my son, who turned 17 this year, away from the spotlight. Very, very specifically, a conscious decision on my end, um, have turned down at least a half a dozen reality shows that have been offered to me uh, because it would intrude on their privacy and would end up exploiting them and or putting them into the public eye, which gives up their right to decide, do they want to live in the public eye or do they want to have a private life? Uh, and even reality shows that were going to be based on the Looking for Larry agency, my, my marketing company, because inevitably it's, well, what happens when Paul Heyman goes home and then you have to see me quote-unquote, out of character or out of the quote-unquote business character at the Looking for Larry agency with my children, and I just was never willing to make that decision for them. My children will one day make the decision whether they want to pursue a life in the public eye like their father did, or they want to maintain private lives where they have the right to say, hey, my life is private, this is nobody's business. So it's a constant struggle, and I think it's, it's up to the performer himself or herself to decide how much of their lives do they want to make public. I, I try my damnedest to keep my private life out of the public eye because, number one, it's my life, it's my privacy, and that's just my decision. And number two, because I don't think anybody really is entertained by my private life, nor should they be. And what I want them to concentrate on is the, is the performance that I, I present to them in the capacity of the presentation that I'm trying to sell. I, Mike, again, I shouldn't make presumptions, but I think it's a fair bet that Vincent Kennedy McMahon would not let a reporter embed all the way for two days for a behind-the-scenes for WrestleMania. That, that's including, by the way, if it was a Washington Post reporter or a New York Times reporter or, you know, pick pick whatever publication you find to be, uh, uh, you know, a, a first-rate publication. If you were running a promotion, Paul, as you once did, would you let someone from the media embed to go behind the scenes to see everything, or does that remove a little bit of what makes pro wrestling and sports entertainment, I don't know, kind of great or kind of unique, the fact that we don't sort of know everything that's behind the scenes. 
Well, the WWE machine is so huge, you would need a team of reporters embedded to understand how that spectacle of WrestleMania actually happens. Because if you're just following around Vince McMahon, you're getting one perspective, but you have no idea what's going on in the production truck where Kevin Dunn and his team are keeping that show flowing no matter what happens. If, if, a, um, if, 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 if a hurricane touches down, smashes through Tampa during WrestleMania, Kevin Dunn will keep that show on the air no matter what. Um, and you will miss that if you're just following around Vince McMahon. You will also miss the interaction between the talents themselves, the preparation that a top star like Roman Reigns goes through before he walks through the curtain to head out to the ring for the main event of WrestleMania. There are so many things and variables that go into the making of WrestleMania that one reporter embedded could not possibly get the enormity of the number of perspectives that would be required to truly understand what goes on into making that show. Yeah, that's a great answer. What time will you get... You're, you'll be you'll be in WrestleMania on Sunday, but obviously the, it's a two night it's a two day two night affair. What time would you get to the arena on the day of a WrestleMania? An hour before Roman Reigns. Really? Yes. And, and all right, so when would Roman get there? Is Roman someone who wants to be there all day to soak it in, or will he get there, you know, a couple hours before whatever his call time is? I don't have that answer because it will depend on how Roman Reigns feels this Sunday. Roman Reigns is a, much like several other people that I have worked with, Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, Bill Goldberg, CM Punk, um, it's a very eccentric individual and he will be close to the stadium, but what time he arrives will be dictated by the atmosphere of the day. Um, he needs to feel it. But it depends on how he's feeling that day in terms of how much in advance he wants to start feeling it. I'm glad you brought this up. We'll see how, we'll see, we'll see how far you go on this one. What, perhaps your biggest genius in this profession, for a guy who's had success, massive success, and failure in this profession, is you have figured out a way to become connected to interact, to get in the environment of 
the best in-class people in sports entertainment. You just mentioned them. Roman Reigns, Ronda Rousey, CM Punk, Bill Goldberg, Brock Lesnar. These are all mega main event stars in WWE. How how wh- how have you been able to do that? What it, what is it about you that these people want to be around? I am uninhibited in my desire indeed my lust to be part of something special something great something memorable and i am ruthless and unapologetic in my pursuit of being part of such greatness with the humble understanding that I can't do it myself, which means I can't do what I want them to do. And also, even if I could, I couldn't do it alone. So the word myself has a double meaning there. And I am cognizant of just how deep my admiration for their greatness is. And introspective enough to understand that I can pull a level of greatness out of these performers that they can't achieve on their own, which compels me to raise my game to their level, which is something I couldn't do without them. and aspiring their greatness as well. It is truly a collaborative effort where I need them as much as they need me, which creates a professional and spiritual intimacy that is greater than any relationship one can ever experience in your personal life, except with your children. I appreciate that answer. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage 
to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypod Podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Um, you have told me on previous podcasts that as opposed to something that is very tightly scripted, you, you have been given the trust by uh, WWE management to, to ad lib. To, to go out there with an idea and then to um, to ultimately say what you're going to say is is that still the case is that and and to, and how different is that for you versus other performers I dare suggest it's more the case now than it ever has been before especially on talking smack that's why that show is good well thank you uh, we, 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 we put a lot of effort into that show and 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 kudos to the performers by the way who A, raise their game on that show, and B, trust me enough to open up when they're in that chair sitting next to me. And kudos to Caleb Braxton for simply surviving me, let alone tolerating me. Um, um, as for other performers, you know, th- th- that's again, something without a perfect answer. Vince McMahon owns a content creation conglomerate that now has on the table in application three separate billion-dollar deals. And I'm sure he's working on more. And knowing Vince, he's probably trying to envision the first trillion-dollar content output deals. There is a billion-dollar deal with Fox Television for SmackDown, and now that Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman and main event Jay Uso are on top on SmackDown, I, I think we're dramatically being underpaid. That's another story. Um, there is a there is a thank you. There is a billion-dollar deal with NBCU for Monday Night Raw, and there is now a billion-dollar deal with Peacock for the domestic streaming rights to WWE network. When you have such deals, you have to protect those deals from someone else screwing them up. So if Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. X goes out to the ring and on live television or a live stream says something that is 
egregiously wrong and it gets through or it's said in front of all these witnesses and it causes a major scandal and cancel culture or not deservedly gets WWE thrown off a of Fox or NBCU or Peacock and blows a billion dollar deal Who's to blame besides Vince McMahon for not saying, I want to know what this person's going to say before they say it. Peaky Blinders is not streamed live. It's filmed. You know what these characters are going to say. Um, any any drug, Better Call Saul is not streamed live. It's not a Broadway play that then goes live to the universe where someone can say something so controversial, whether it's Q, whether it's QAnon or whether it's a left wing conspiracy, doesn't matter. We, we don't leave ourselves open to someone screwing multi-generation lifetimes of work to get to where we are. Therefore, if someone walks out to the ring Vince McMahon has the right to know exactly what that person's going to say. Otherwise, he is jeopardizing the shareholders' right to a return on their investment, hoping and, 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 and counting on the chairman to maintain control of a creative environment which can always go wrong. Look at the trouble the NBA is having with the controversies that are arising out of the social views of some of their top stars, whether these top stars are right or wrong, the NBA is struggling with the backlash of what some people and some top stars are feeling in their hearts. Look at the trouble the, the NFL had in dealing with the social ramifications of the political viewpoints and the social viewpoints of some of their team's top players and even some of their team's secondary players. Whether they're right or wrong is not what I'm discussing. What I'm discussing is there are, there, is, there are ramifications of all things that are said and done. And WWE, as a scripted performance that allows some improv, tries to keep control of that environment. The same way Better Call Saul, Peaky Blinders, other dramas on television present these characters in scripted situations. Yeah, that's a fascinating answer. So here, I'm not even countering you here. I just, I want to get your insight on this. There have been other promotions, including a current one, where the performers talk about they feel like they have more freedom to improvise, to use improvisation. And I guess then in theory, Paul, where it gets to your point, could get that promotion into dangerous positions. Is there some happy medium between scripted 
and giving the performers enough freedom where they don't feel they're stilted or stifled. Because the one thing about the LeBron Jameses and, and the and the NFL guys, you know, obviously we're dealing with something different, but, you know, they have freedom of expression and they have to live with the consequences at the same time they get to say what they want to say. It's a constantly evolving process that has to be evaluated by the, the individual and the circumstances on a moment-to-moment basis. Um, I am sure that in his heart, Vince McMahon or Triple H or Stephanie McMahon or Kevin Dunn or whomever has concerns about the manner in which Paul Heyman would present sports entertainment in 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, and, and, and moving forward. I'm sure, they would, I'm sure they would. I, I, I look at this differently than they do, but I don't think any of those people would have a problem if something went wrong at WrestleMania and you needed to to buy 15 minutes of time for the live crowd and had no idea what to do. Okay. Give me a live mic and put it in Paul Heyman's hands. Paul go out there and distract them Buy me 15 minutes. I don't think there's anyone else that is in competition with me especially since John Cena is not going to be at WrestleMania, though John Cena would be a a fine choice as well. Stephanie McMahon would be a fine choice as well, by the way. Um, But I don't think Vince McMahon or Triple H or Stephanie McMahon or or Kevin Dunn or anybody would, would have a second thought of putting a microphone in my hand and having me walk out to the ring and buying us 15 minutes. I think they would be very confident that I would would never embarrass the company or say something that's going to end up being a, a, a controversy or, or a scandal. Yeah, that's a great compliment. Actually, one of Eric Bischoff's, I think, skills, too, when, when he was able to bail out a couple of his promotions when they got in trouble. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, a couple more here. Um, I, I saw a clip once from you. Uh, where you were t- where you were talking to a crowd and you were talking about writing, and one of the things you told them was that you like to write the end of something first, and then you work backwards. So if you were writing a WrestleMania, you'd have it in your mind what would be coming one year from now, and then you'd write storyline backwards to get to that place. Um, given that, and again, I don't know if you want to give up any trade secret or anything here, but given that, um, I. I It'd be the no-brainer of no-brainers, in my opinion, to get Becky Lynch somehow in next year's WrestleMania 
So my question for you would be, how easy would it be to write it so you, you, you have the roadmap to get her there? Oh, Becky Lynch is an extraordinary talent. Uh, it, would, it, it, it would not only be very easy to, to write Becky Lynch 2022 WrestleMania and the scenario and the match and where we go and how we get there. Uh, the, the, the most difficult thing about that, as it will be for what I envision for Roman Reigns, as it would be for how I would craft a Ronda Rousey scenario um, or a Brock Lesnar scenario, um, the most difficult part would be editing it because the flood of ideas for these extraordinary talents who push themselves past their own limitations um, is overwhelming at times. And you can only pick so many different scenarios because you have to let them all play themselves out. So coming up with something for Becky Lynch for next year's WrestleMania is not the problem. Uh, which one you decide on <laughs> is, uh, is, is, is the key is paramount to the process because I mean, they, 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 there's an infinite number of scenarios that Becky Lynch would excel in. She's just that, talented and that willing to push her talents past their own parameters. You, um, you've always been very, very good in the studio environment. And we see that on talking smack. Um, how challenging has it been for you this year performing first in front of no crowd and then having to adapt to, uh, the sort of the, the new soundstage that WWE put in, which is phenomenal. But yet still, Paul, you, you, you've you performed in front of 70,000, 80,000 people, maybe more, for all I know, whatever the biggest stadium you've done. So how has it changed for you? How, what kind of adjustment has that been? I hate when people say to me that my answers are good or they're great because that implies that the other answers that I've given are not good or great. And with that disclaimer up front, I will say that's a that's a very good question. <laughs> um, not that your other questions haven't haven't been good. Um, this goes back to my father's old philosophy of getting the job done and enjoying it while you're doing it. If I were to complain about this, it'd be the equivalent, as my father would say, of a doctor coming home and saying, "Ugh." All I do is see sick people. Then don't be a doctor. Um, to WWE's massive credit, we never missed a week. We never missed a week. We, we kept going through everything. We kept producing, presenting content. We are in the content creation, the content presenting, the, con the content exploitation, the content marketing, the content s sales business. And we never missed a week. Wow. Um, it is up to, to us, we the performers, to do our role in that scenario. It is a daunting task 
to be interactive with an audience that's not there for you to be interactive with. And everything that I do is based off the reverberations that I get from the live crowd. But when there's no live crowd, then it's no longer a live performance. I'm in a studio. Um, I don't know any musician that prefers being in a closed studio as opposed to being in front of a stadium full of people that are jamming with you. Um, it's why at last year's WrestleMania in the main event, which was Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre. When Brock and I came out to the ring, I said to Brock, I can't announce you. And that was our shtick. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman, the beast, the conqueror, the reigning, defending. And I couldn't do it because my dance partner wasn't there. And my dance partner was the audience. And I didn't realize it until we were halfway down the aisle to the ring. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> This is, this is going to get me in trouble with WWE for saying, so be it. It's the difference between sex and masturbation. <laughs> sex is with somebody and, and it's, and it's wonderful and, and you're making love and it's, it's, it's intimate and, and you know, and, and it's give and take and everything and masturbation, you're by yourself. And I just, I just couldn't bring myself to pick up the mic and do that shtick without the audience there with me. Because that introduction was every bit as much about the audience doing it as it was about me doing it. And without them, I'm just by myself. And, and, and I, I didn't feel it. I didn't like it. I didn't want it. And I couldn't do it. I, it's, I appreciate the I appreciate the honesty there, uh, and the visualization. I think comes in comes in handy for the podcast. Yeah, and and, and, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's just you know. So um, what we've learned is how to do things um, and create an interactive environment in in in, in a Zoom era. And uh, I, I, I dare say that my job is is a cakewalk because I'm not taking physical punishment without the heat and the atmosphere and the immediate feedback of an appreciative audience that is going to reward me for allowing my body to be abused for their storyline entertainment. I, I can't imagine in my 
in my heart of hearts what it's like for Roman Reigns or Edge or Daniel Bryan to get smashed with a chair when there's no audience there to feel that chair shot. Because no matter if it's one minute into the match or 30 minutes into the match, your body, your body is not ready for that level of impact without the warmth of the crowd on top of you, cheering it, booing it, giving you feedback for it. You know, you mentioned uh, chair shots. How, how comfortable are you taking bumps if the storyline calls for it? You're not an in-ring performer. You're older than a lot of the guys who are. But I've seen you sometimes take a bump uh, in the last couple of years for storyline. If it presents itself, you okay with that? If, uh, if, if duty calls? Oh, 100%. You got you got to you got to you got to do any kind of uh, for lack of a better word like um, um, preparation or uh, or 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 going through it before it happens so you you know what's coming. No, my my preparation for physicality is the emotional understanding. This is going to hurt. Um, the beating I took on top of Hell in a Cell from CM Punk was as real as any beating that he took inside the octagon at UFC. Samoa Joe locking me in the coquina clutch on Monday Night Raw was as real as anything that anyone else is going to feel in, in, in mixed martial arts because I don't trust my timing and I have no athletic ability. So I prefer that if I'm going to be subject to physicality, bring it. I also have been of the mindset that if you put Paul Heyman in a physical situation, the lure is that the audience is going to say, okay, this, this is going to be visceral. This is going to be a fight. This is going to be interesting. Because I've watched other people in this role or a similar role in the past who didn't want to take the hit. And I think the lure, the seduction of Paul Heyman finally getting his ass kicked is that Paul Heyman gets his ass kicked. And you sit there and say, as an audience member, hey, I want to see this. It's why the ratings for the Paul Heyman versus Adam Pierce match on SmackDown did so well. Because you knew something was going to happen, either to Paul Heyman or a storyline that would come out of it that would be quite interesting. Um, the, the, the irony of, of this part of our conversation is that the character that I have inhabited or evolved into as special counsel for the tribal chief Roman Reigns is not a character that people really want to see get smashed, which is why I'm talking smack. I can shake the hands of Roman Reigns' 
most dynamic opponents. Kevin Owens, in a aggressive, politically incorrect word, violent storyline with Roman Reigns, can come on Talking Smack and I can shake his hand and have a conversation with him about the dynamics of his rivalry with Roman Reigns. The guest this weekend, WrestleMania weekend, on Talking Smack will be Edge. 24 hours before he steps into the ring in the main event of WrestleMania, vying for the Universal Championship against Roman Reigns. And Paul Heyman, the person, and Paul Heyman, the character slash persona, has all the respect, all the admiration in the world for Edge. I like him personally. I admire him professionally. And I intend on, A, shaking his hand the moment he walks onto the set, and B, expressing my personal and professional admiration for him, his family, his story, his ability, his performances. And I would dare suggest that he will do the same with me. Because we're, I'm not a manager. I'm not the guy saying, all right, smash him more with that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit him again. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not Lou Albano. I'm not Freddie Blassie. I'm not the Grand Wizard. I'm not Bobby Heenan. I'm not Jimmy Hart. I'm, I'm not J.J. Dillon. I'm, I'm not directing my charge to end the career of the opponent, bloody them up, take them out, hospitalize them. Um, that's not my character. I'm special counsel to the tribal chief. I, I'm, and, and, and some of this has also to do with, with my age. I'm 55. Um, there's a difference between 55 and 45, 55 and 35, 55 and 25. Um, I, I, I'm not hip and hip attached to the physical heat that Roman Reigns is going to generate. I'm the liaison. I'm the liaison to Roman Reigns. So I can intelligently discuss with Edge this weekend what it's going to be like for him to be in the ring with Roman Reigns while having intimate knowledge of Edge's greatness because, A, I'm the one that broke him out into his singles when I was lead writer of SmackDown dating back to 2002. I was executive director of Raw when he returned at the Royal Rumble 2020 and, and worked with him hand-in-hand in, hand in his WrestleMania storyline with Randy Orton. And this is all public knowledge. So why would I hide that? And why wouldn't I be the one to sit there and say, I admire you. I respect you. Um, I have, I have such respect and admiration for what you bring to the table. And you're stepping into the ring with the person that I'm attached to in the main event of WrestleMania. Let's talk about it like intelligent human beings. So it, it's just a, 
a progression, an evolution of the role. And maybe it's, it's a new role. You know, maybe this special counsel slash advocate is the natural evolution to a more realistic basis of what a manager was and should be, or at least it is for someone my age. You know, Jay Uso calls me OG, you know, the original gangster. And I am. I'm the OG up up, up in here now. Um, I'm Yoda. I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm, I'm the wise old Jew of WWE. You know, I, re- I read what I read. I-, I hope to see you re-signed here. Am I going to see you in 2022? One would certainly hope so. All right. I know you got to be diplomatic on that. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll expand on that answer. I've always tried to avoid negotiating in public. I, I understand why some people do it. When, when I left WWE in 2006, I was the first person, I was the exception that defined the rule. I was the first person, they didn't go on their website and say, WWE has come to terms with the release of Paul Heyman. We wish him well in his future endeavors. Nobody knew when I was officially done with the company. We kept that between me and Vince McMahon. Um, because I just didn't feel it was anybody's business at the time. And neither did WWE. I... I just don't think it does WWE or Paul Heyman any good for me to negotiate a contract and agreement through the media in public. It, it, it just, it, it, it doesn't serve anybody. It, it's not, it's not what I'm here to do. I'm an entertainer or a director producer of talent, either one. I don't think that's what the public turns to me for. I I don't, if if I signed right now to work for WWE for a dollar a year, or if I signed with WWE for $10 million a year, I don't think that matters to the public. It's not what the, the, the public shouldn't care what I make or the terms of my agreement. The public should care about what I do as special counsel to Roman Reigns or as co-host of Talking Smack or any other role that I inhabit. It's why I don't put my personal life out there because it's, 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 it's not what the public will be entertained by. My body of work should speak for itself. And, 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 and that's what I present to the public and I want the public to concentrate on that performance or that aspect of my performance or the aspect of the performance of Roman Reigns or whomever else I work with. So I've just never been a fan of negotiating in public. I think I know my worth in WWE. I'm, I'm fairly confident that WWE knows my worth. I love what I'm doing with Roman Reigns. I love what I'm doing. I'm talking smack and the talent I get to work with. I'm, 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 I'm boldly confident I will be continuing in those roles. But to, to 
You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I basically was going to say, if Vince and Nick Khan are listening, let's get this done. Come on. First of all, they're not listening. But if they were listening, <laughs> I would say get this done. All right, Paul, let me finish with this. This is the last thing I want to finish with. And again, there's no better person to ask on earth than this than you. There are certain people that you see them performing and you're like, they just have it. Like Bianca Belair is one of those people. Like for me, I mean, I guess it took a little bit of time and character development, but Becky Lynch had it um, or has it. Um, I think like this year, like Alexa Bliss has it. I think she's been unbelievable. So yeah, and I can name a ton of others. I, I, you know, I don't mean to leave anybody out. I, I got immense respect for almost everybody on the card. Do you, in your, in your opinion, do you have it right away? Like whatever that is, and maybe maybe it's defined by the just getting over with the audience, or is that even for the best of the best a progression to to get to that place? So it comes down to I guess the whole, you know, how much of this is sort of innate for a performer versus how much of it is people developing a character to the, to the point where the audience loves or or hates them, and regardless, they're just over. You're born with it. Finding it's another story. Finding it's a completely it's a completely different story. And some people can't find their own greatness. Um, I have worked with... Well, here, here, here is a perfect example. When I started... When I took over the creative reins in ECW, the Sandman was coming out to the ring in a wetsuit to the song Wipeout. And connected with nobody, even himself. And After a, a couple of matches, I had nothing for him. He was a flop. He didn't believe in himself. He couldn't walk in the skin of the character. The audience rejected him, and rightfully so. And he was a drag on the product. He was also one of Todd Gordon's best friends. Todd Gordon was the... Um, the owner of ECW, Eastern Championship Wrestling, and person that handed the creative ring to me in September 1993. And out of respect for Todd, I went to Todd and I said, Todd, it's not working out with Sandman. I, I know he's one of your best friends, but I, I got nothing for him. And... We went to Sandman to say, hey, you need to go find something else to do with your life. And he was sitting there drinking a beer, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and Todd turned to me and said, this is the guy. And I'm watching Sandman absorb this bad news. And he put the cigarette out in his hand. Now, it took a lot of prompting by Todd 
to let that character go that far. You pick a beer going out to the ring and smoke a cigarette and everything. But the moment Sandman stopped trying to be someone other than himself, and we changed his theme music, and we let him smoke a cigarette and drink a beer and smash those beer cans into his own head, going out to the ring, bleeding before the match ever began. He not only became one of the absolute highlights of an ECW show, and I would would suggest to anyone the absolute best five minutes of ECW One Night Stand 2005 was the Sandman's entrance because of that interaction with the audience singing the song along with Metallica and just that live aid Freddie Mercury moment it created. But it wasn't the fact that we created this character that walked out to the ring, smashing beer cans into his head, drinking beer, smoking a cigarette with a Singapore cane at his side. He always had that magic. He always had that charisma. He always had that ability to rise above his own parameters and limitations. He could just never find it. He thought, his ticket to the future was a wetsuit and the song Wipeout. He had it inside of him. He just had to be himself. He couldn't find his own greatness. You could give that theme song to anybody you want. You could give the drinking beer, smashing beer cans into his head. You could smoke cigarettes going out to the ring. You'll never be the Sandman. You'll never, you'll never have that like he did. Something else, a different presentation, a different song, a different character, a different persona, yes. But you'll never be the Sandman. That's him. That's his magic. We found his greatness. He found his greatness. Um... Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is a four-time WrestleMania main eventer. This weekend, he will become a five-time WrestleMania main eventer. And this year will be the first year that he is the T-H-E-E attraction. And he is intimately connected to the audience on an interactive basis before this year, they were all witnesses to the rise of Roman reigns and the Roman reigns era. And this year they will share in it. The audience will be part of it because he has finally made that connection with the audience. He's always been a main eventer. But he was never prepared. And I would suggest it's, it's just because of age alone. And the audience had to live through his rise. 
with him, but he himself was never prepared for the level of greatness that he could achieve, the level of interaction that he could achieve, because he couldn't tap into his own greatness without going along for this journey. So I think you're born with it. And then I think it takes a while to cultivate it, let it manifest itself, tap into it. And then, of course, you need someone like Paul Heyman to drag it the fuck out of you. (laughs) All right, last one. Thank you for that. Um, Conrad Thompson, who uh, is the host of uh, many successful podcasts, now has been on this podcast many times, um, told me, the last time he was on, he happened to uh, had him and Jim Ross on together, which was which was a lot of fun. He told me you are one of two people on earth he would most want to co-host a podcast with. The other for him is Jeff Jarrett. He said that uh, a Paul Heyman podcast would be a absolute can't miss. He also does not expect it to ever happen until you are free and clear from working for any promotion. Would a podcast in the future in- just philosophically interest you? Uh, if yes, why? If no, why? A podcast has always been of interest to me since podcasts first burst upon the scenes. I've been very close to doing a podcast twice. Once was actually with Ariel Helwani. Oh, wow. Uh, good for Ariel. Nice. Where And this was before I returned to WWE in 2012, where we would discuss... A, mixed martial arts, B, sports entertainment slash professional wrestling, C, all other things in sports and media. And there was another discussion that I had about an all items on the table podcast a few years ago where I was very close to taking the offer and I felt at the time I was selling my services too early in the podcast game, let the market itself mature and let other people continue to build the forum known as a podcast, the platform known as a podcast so that it reaches maximum value and then get into the marketplace. Um, I would be happy to do a podcast, whether it's looking back on the disruptive force that was ECW, whether it's a contemporary podcast about modern day sports entertainment sports entertainment or whatever the, the 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 discussion may be but now it's 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 a it's a matter of the financial considerations bluntly because it's such a huge market and it's it's just it's it's continuing to grow at a rapid pace and so my market value increases by the day 
I don't want to sell short. Why would I want to? And also because it's not just an investment of time. The time is not my concern. It's an emotional investment. Because if I do a podcast, I want to blow all other podcasts off the map. I want it to be the undisputed best podcast in the world. I, I, I want the discussion to be, what's the best podcast? Well, other than Paul Heyman's, here are the contenders to be considered number one. I want to be the best at what I do. I want to take such enormous pride in what I do that you know when you hear the name Paul Heyman, it's worthy of your attention because you know I wouldn't dare water down my body of work with something that is A minus, let alone not A plus plus. It's why, by the way, I have yet to direct a movie or produce a film and why I ultimately end up turning down movie offers because I'm desperately concerned with something that is less than what I'm able to attach myself to now. If I can't be the best at what I'm doing, if I can't present something that I'm proud of, if I can't give the audience something that they themselves are proud of simply witnessing or viewing, I don't want to do it. I just don't. My ego can't handle it. My humility can't, 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 can't deal with it, it would upset me greatly. I kick myself every time I do something that's less than truly stellar. Um, we, we go back to the beginning of our conversation. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, Bill Goldberg, CM Punk, and other people that I get to work with that we keep our professional relationship away from the headlines for now. And I'm very proud of these associations. And it's what brings, next to my children, it's what brings me happiness. Is my collaboration with these great talents. And I just wouldn't dare water that down by doing something that is just okay. I, I, I live to be attached to greatness. That's my spiritual orgasm. That's why I wake up every morning and say, yeah, okay. That's my caffeine. That's my drug. That's my high. And it's why I, I have at 55, such peace of mind or a balanced energy. It's why I have such happiness in my life. It's because I'm so proud of what I do. And I wouldn't dare touch something that I can't feel that way about. 
So if you ever hear Paul Heyman's doing a podcast, as a, as a, as an audience member, you'll know it's worthy of tur- of turning into. And as a media member, you'll say, "Hey, you know what? I can hype this for Paul Heyman because he's not going to disappoint." Paul Heyman is one of the most iconic figures in sports entertainment. He's currently the special counsel for Universal Champion Roman Reigns. Catch the triple threat match for the Universal Championship with Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 37. Their match is on Sunday night, April 11th. WrestleMania is a two-night event starting on April 10th. Paul, I can't uh, can't tell you how much I enjoyed these conversations that we've had over the years. I wish you nothing but the best of health. And uh, and have a great WrestleMania. I will uh, I will be watching and uh, and I hope our paths cross soon. The pleasure of that would be all mine, sir. Paul Heyman, ladies and gentlemen. All right, back in the studio. My uh, thanks to Paul Heyman. Uh, that was a great conversation. That's the best interview I've done with him. Uh, you know, we mostly uh, uh, went off script here. I've had Paul uh, when I've interviewed him. He's he's never fully in character with me, which I appreciate, but. You know, he's been he's been more in character at other times. So that was good. That was really um, interesting because I'm a big mark when it comes to the behind the scenes of uh, of the wrestling business. I just it's the reason why I have Conrad Thompson and some others on. I just I find their world incredibly fascinating and because I have so much admiration for what they do. Uh, like athletic performance is so hard to do at uh, a high level. And they're, you know, combination athletes slash performers uh, and they got to grind from town to town it's uh, I'm always impressed by them so thank you to Paul Heyman thanks of course Patrick Antonetti and Sean Cherry for producing this podcast uh, if you like this kind of stuff and again this is a very different conversation than what we normally have but head to the archives and you can check out the last couple conversations before Paul Heyman Stacey Dales of the NFL Network and Marley Rivera of ESPN uh, before that we had James Andrew Miller and Anthony Krupe on the NFL's new media deals before that a couple of my athletic colleagues, Sean Shapiro and Ryan Clark, on the ESPN NHL New Media Rights deal. And then before that, actually, we did have a little bit of wrestling, How to Create a Great Podcast with Conrad Thompson and Jim Ross. Head to the archives. Hopefully you'll find something you like. If you like this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and uh, a, uh, some nice words because every uh, my bosses do check that out. Not bosses. My partners here check that out. I technically don't. I'm not sure I have a boss here. Um... Thanks to everybody at uh, at uh, the HQ uh, headquarters. Uh, you guys know who you are. And naturally, thank you, the audience, for listening. We'll see you very soon again on the Sports Media Podcast.